Again. You won't find me till the clock strikes three. I gotta be there till then. I gotta go back. <laughs> Sorry. That's so great. Everyone's shutting us off. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where the songs are all about sex. <laughs> I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are covering the 1982 classic. Two, two of 82. We did Dark Crystal, <laughs> and now we're doing... What are we doing, Carrie Ann? We're doing one of your least favorite movies. Like, Gre- I like it, but damn. Grease 2! Oh my god. People are turning it off. <laughs> are you going to be like this through the whole show? I said, I said, drive me to the middle and I'll start talking, okay? Uh, okay. You gotta get me there. <laughs> Before we dive in, just a few housekeeping notes. We now have an official Twitter! Oh, that's right, yeah, we on the, we're out there on the boards, man. We're on the timelines. You're going to see us spouting off some shit. <laughs> I have no class. You have zero class? I'm sorry. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at Kick N Stream because kicking and streaming was too long. I thought you were gonna tell me it was already taken. No, no, <laughs> it's just much too long. Also, shout out to Kicking and Streaming, the other podcast <laughs> named Kicking and Streaming. Yeah, I swear to God, we should probably listen to that. Yeah, we probably see should. what's going on. Maybe uh, let's just hope that we're not totally copying. No, my understanding is that it's a it's more of a current pop culture type of <laughs> so yeah we got that official twitter at kick and stream yes <laughs> like kicking a can in the stream yes kick in stream kick in st- <laughs> kick in the stream <laughs> at kick in stream on twitter uh if, if you want to have any like business propositions or like <laughs> professional mentions for us we also got that good gmail yeah kicking and streaming podcast at gmail.com with the spelled out word and not an ampersand yeah i don't even think you can do that I think that's why I didn't do that. I thought you were going to say, I don't think an ampersand's a thing anymore. No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? An ampersand is all over our stuff. You're right. So, why Grease 2, you might be asking? Ross is already rolling his eyes. <laughs> Ross, why do you resent this so much? Because, listen, it's a guilty pleasure film for a reason. Grease 2 is just one of those movies where it's a very well-staged and choreographed motion picture. It really is. It's very visually captivating. I always like to say Grease is classic, but Grease 2 is hotter. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing. The physical attractiveness of the actors mixed with their impeccable stage work kind of makes you glaze over how bad the narrative is <laughs> and how bad the songs are. <laughs> and But that's the thing. Personally, I... This is this is bad for me. To, I feel guilty admitting this. I get down to some of the songs, but all the songs are about sex. They're all about sex, guys. Each almost each and every one of them. And we we are going to have fun racking up the musical numbers for you today. Exactly. I can't. I just can't. We're going to have a lot of fun today, but I am not afraid to stop the fun cold if something is really gross or predatory. Yeah, let's not forget, it was 1982. It was a toxic era capitalizing on an already more toxic era. Yeah, the 80s versus the 60s. Yeah. The original Grease is a classic 
and a regrettably significant movie in many of our lives. Like, you've either seen the movie or you've been in the show, or both. Grease 2 is literally the same movie, with some gender-bending and mad-lib levels of cut and paste. I feel like the first one is talked out, kind of. It's over. I'm tired of hearing about it. So if we're gonna do Grease, we might as well do Grease 2, because it's my guiltiest pleasure. I tried to find a trailer for this movie, but the only ones I could find were incredibly non-descriptive and were mostly just, like, song clips. Oh, yeah, but, like the movie! Yeah. <laughs> If you've seen the original film, you've basically seen this movie already. So, you know, it's not like you have to do your homework. Like, there's no point. There's no point in the end. We're just here to sing a bunch of tunes. And, and have fun. Have fun and take you back to another time. This movie came out in 1982, and it takes place in 1961, two years after the events of the original film. None of the major stars from the first movie wanted to come back for the sequel, which is fine, I guess, but it is definitely to their disservice. Mm-hmm. The original conception of the script had Danny and Sandy as background characters. Wouldn't that have been whack? It would have been weird. They were going to own the gas station where Stephanie works. See, that would have been such a neuter of the ending of the original film. How do you go from flying in a car to... Running a gas station! (laughs) Like, that's what real life is. Yeah. We're not here for real life. We're here for flying We're cars. We're here for construct. We're here for bookworms on motorcycles. Right? But because Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta didn't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. Good on them. Yeah. <laughs> Couple of crazy motherfucking people, but good on them. And instead, we get Sandy's cousin, Michael, from England. And we also have Danny's, like, cross-gender counterpart, Stephanie Zanoni. I like to think that they're also cousins. Even even though we have no evidence of that. Um, where is this film supposed to take place? Listen. There, there's a very large Italian-American community, which makes me think it's uh, Northeast America. Well, in Greece, the original show, takes Rydell High is in Chicago. In Greece, the film from 1978, it's in... Los Angeles, like the race scene literally takes place in a dry Los Angeles river. And in Greece 2, I'm guessing it's still in LA. Now, I don't remember who the director of the original Greece is, but I know who the choreographer is, and that's Pat Birch. Patricia Birch did a wonderful job choreographing and staging the original film. She also helped with the original Broadway production from 1972. And she was selected to direct and stage Grease 2. Um, Pat, I've got so many questions, but we need to get together and talk, hon. We need to brew a pot and just talk about what happened there. Okay? So why don't you keep on going? Carrie Ann, take it away. Yeah, in this movie, Stephanie is like the Danny of the story, and Michael is the Sandy. And it's literally the same movie, Ross. Listen, I, 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 the first step to admitting you have a problem is saying it out loud. I have a problem you do. with this movie. I, I have a complicated relationship with this movie. Like, I know we've been talking about cult followings. It's a culty following. Me and my supervisor were ripping it up on the sidewalk talking about this movie. We love it. I love how this movie starts with 
the song Alma Mater. It's playing in the background while Miss McGee and Blanche are raising the flag. And they're talking about what a great school year it's going to be. And we have Miss McGee and Blanche. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, oh, this is a song from the stage show. This is going to be a wonderful little tribute to the source material. And literally, there's the sound of a car crashing and the actual number starts. Vacation in the summer sun, getting lots of action, having lots of fun. Soaring like a bandit till the bubble burst. Suddenly it got to be September 1st. Whoa, with me. All summer long, I was happy and free. Save my soul. My board of education took away my parole. And I just, I love this song. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite song in the whole movie, believe it or not. The extras in this production are so good. Yeah, I know. Like, if there was, they deserve a SAG award. They're like all really. Best ensemble. They're all really happy to be here. I know. (laughs) Spending my vacation in the summer sun. Like, they're jumping like they're going to take flight. Like, they're all, they've all just done a line. Like, you can tell. (laughs) It was 1982, probably. We're getting introduced to all of our main players. We have the Pink Ladies, Maureen Tiffy as Sharon, Allison Price as Rhonda with the glasses. And the nose. And the the nose. (laughs) Lorna Luft as Paulette. One way they are slapping you in the face with the culture of the time, Paulette and Sharon are standing next to each other whenever possible in a shot. Because they're doing the Jackie versus Marilyn aesthetic. Yes. Because that was the thing of the time. Are you a Jackie or are you a Marilyn? Every woman is one of them. Not. Yeah, not. Pamela Seagal. Listen, we were watching this together and you were on the Wikipedia page the whole time. And you hit me with a piece of trivia that liked to knock me out of my bobby socks. You've got Lorna Luff playing Paulette Rebchuk. And her little sister... Who's kind of like the pink lady's mascot. She's like a middle schooler. She's... Her... Maybe she's a freshman. She could be. I've never understood that. To me, she reads as a middle schooler. I think... She's a skate punk. Pam Seagal is the voice of Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. And here she is, this twerpy little dorky teenager <laughs> in probably one of her first acting roles, playing Dolores Rebchuk. She's also Spinelli on Recess. Yeah, she's Spinelli on Recess. And finally, we have Michelle Pfeiffer playing Stephanie Zanoni. And like, it's like her third film appearance ever. Yeah. She's such a baby. She was 24. 24. Everybody's a little more age appropriate. Yeah. In this version. Stockard Channing, love ya. But you were 38 when you played Rizzo. 38. And you all bought it, too. Yeah, you did. Like, the fuck? You thought she was 18? Stephanie Zanoni is the leader of the Pink Ladies in this year. The Pink Ladies pledge to act cool, to look cool, and to be cool. Till death do us part, think pink. Then we meet the T-Birds. They roll up on motorcycles. (laughs) (laughs) T-Bones! <laughs> <laughs> My god. 
Eve. So we've got Leave Green. Peter Frechette as Lewis. I hate Lewis. I like Lewis. I don't know who I hate more, Lewis or Johnny. Like Christopher McDonald as Goose. Yes. <laughs> you may recognize him from Flubber. He's like one of the guys who's like uh, Horse and Jasper and Flubber. I don't know what their actual names Wait, are. Wait, no. He's the guy that wants to marry Marsha Gray Harden. Oh, that's right. But he has the kid. Christopher McDonald is Goose. As Goose. Adrian Zmed as Johnny Nagarelli. I think Adrian Zmed was like, what was he hot on? TJ Hooker. That's what it is. With He's Officer Vince Romano and TJ Hooker. All the teachers are back. Eve Arden Eve as Ar- Principal McGee. Mm-hmm. Classic 1940s comedian Eve Arden was in this garbage fire mm-hmm. of a movie. We have Sid Caesar as Coach Calhoun. Calhoun, yes. Basketball, think... basketball, basketball. That's what I was just going to say. Do you think they gave him lines? Because he really looks like he's riffing there. No, I guarantee you all of Sid Caesar's material in both Grease movies is probably improv. Because, like, he's just walking out of the shot, and I'm sure he's run out of ad libs, so he's just like, basketball, 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 basketball. basketball. <laughs> just tapping his hands. <laughs> like he's chicken dancing. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Get out of my shot. <laughs> How much are we paying you? I bet they paid him more than any other cameo. It's ridiculous to me that they're in this movie, but it also makes sense. Like, they didn't have anything to prove. I guess. They, they were at the end of their careers. New teachers, we have Miss Mason, the hot one from Music Appreciation. Also, Tab Hunter is Mr. Stewart. Mm-hmm. Tab Hunter. Ooh la la. <laughs> Guys, Google Tab Hunter 1955. You'll thank me. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're a boy, girl, or a non-binary pal. You'll think he's pretty tasty. <laughs> I have, in all capital letters, introducing Maxwell Caulfield oh, God. as Michael Carrington. It took this poor bastard ten years for his career oh, to recover. Max. From his appearance in this movie. Max. They were... No, really. Who's that guy? I don't care. He was in Greece too. Didi Khan is back as Frenchie. I have seen Didi Khan in three movies. Grease, Grease 2, and Thomas and the Magic Railroad. <laughs> where she is, for some reason, Alec Baldwin's friend who works in the train station. Yeah, Frenchie's back. Yay! Because, I... because remember, she dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. Beauty school dropout. Beauty school dropout. No graduation day for you. <laughs> school dropout. So she's back to take chemistry classes so that she, she can... can mix her own cosmetics. Yeah. <laughs> I love that back to school again is just the big exposition dump. Yeah. It really is. Uh-huh. The song finally ends. Mm-hmm. So like we're we're going to class. We're 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 in the we're in the hallway. On the first day of school, Stephanie Zanoni is breaking up with Johnny Nagarelli. The the leader of the T Birds and the leader of the Pink Ladies are breaking up. The end of an era. So what's the story, Stephanie? Yeah, what's the story? You know the story, Johnny. It's over. Yeah? Yeah? Well, that's not good enough. Don't make a scene, okay? There's some fucked up energy in this friend group. Yeah. Because, like, Stephanie is breaking up with Johnny, and then Paulette is, like, already circling like a vulture. Yeah, because that's who she wants. I don't understand why. Johnny's the worst. 
It, it will become apparent, but Johnny's the worst. Michael is a patient bean. You can tell because of how nicely he's treating Eugene, who's screaming in his ear. How long have you been in America? Just about a week. I'm staying with my aunt and uncle. Oh, these are the lockers. Take a locker and lock it. No, like, Eugene is being the ambassador and is showing him around the school. Tell me where else we may recognize Eugene from. If you don't know that voice, mm -hmm. you haven't watched television. Like, Mandark. Dexter's Mandark Laboratory. De Dexter's Laboratory. Also, the freak with the glasses on the Polar Express. Aw, the nice kid. Or no, wait, The no. annoying one. Oh, yeah, the super... The one who knows everything. The, the know it. the yellow jammies. The know-it-all kid. The know-it-all kid, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the T-Birds start harassing Michael because he's new and he talks funny, and that's just kind of their shtick. I was just putting a few things in my locker. Oh, this locker! Excuse us! No one touches these lockers, okay, pal? What's the matter? You can't read that that spells T-Bird. Which spells us. And this is a protected land. A slice of American history. Hum, hum, hum. He's trying to get into his locker, and they're like, hey! Can't you read? That says T. Burtz. He's this nice British boy. He doesn't know how Americans work. He's so... I'm sorry. I'm going to say this over and over again. He's so gorgeous. No, like, I really hate the whole time how he's trying to become a greaser. He's so much... Hotter as a nerd. Yeah, like, oh 100%. With the sweater vests mm. and the Oliver people's glasses. Oh, mm. And the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Some gray hair. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Can't mash that down with a helmet. But Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, does this just make your little bisexual heart go bing bang bong? This is a biconic movie. A biconic movie. It's very biconic. I I, I would agree. We get the xylophone gag from when, the last movie when Miss McGee comes on to do the morning announcements. Blanche is playing the little intro tone on her xylophone. She welcomes back Mr. Spears, who's having a nervous breakdown at his desk. <laughs> First, I'd like to extend the welcome back to our own Mr. Spears, who made such a miraculous recovery from the mental exhaustion which sent him to the hospital last spring. Welcome back, Mr. Spears. We're all rooting for you. He is shaking, putting a handful of pills into his mouth. <laughs> Some fucker puts a mouse in some girl's skirt because it's 1961 and everyone was a dick. And she screams and that motherfucker has another coronary. <laughs> he just stopped. It's my second day. It's my second fucking day. Miss <laughs> McGee's doing that thing where she accidentally makes a double entendre. Now, Rydell is very proud of her extracurricular activities. So please come out for band tryouts. If you play an instrument, it's better to play with a group than with yourself. <laughs> What's the one from the original movie? If you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. <laughs> That's good, buddy. God bless. On the athletic field, Stephanie is explaining to the rest of the pink ladies that she needs more substance in her life. More substance than Johnny has to offer. Because, yeah, Johnny's cool, but he's a fuck-ass. He is a huge fuck-ass. I think ass. what she means when she's talking to the pink lady, she's like, I'm tired of being, I'm tired of him being a dick. I need a new dick. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's basically what she's saying. Michael is also on the field in some red running shorts. Sorry. Calm down. <laughs> 
he's telling Frenchie that he's super into Stephanie, and Frenchie educates him on the social etiquette of being a T-bird or a pink lady. Let's just let her spell it out for you. Uh-oh. Michael, I think there's something you don't understand. See, Stephanie Zanoni is a pink lady, which means if you're not a T-bird, which you are not, you can look, but don't touch. Fuck these stupid rules. Like, listen... 1982, everyone was so afraid. Do you know what I mean? Do you mean 82 like in real time or 61 in the movie? Both. Oh, okay. Especially in 61. Mm -hmm. If you were seen talking to a nerd Mm -hmm. or if you were seen not with your girl, Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Or if your girl was talking to somebody else. Like that was everything was about rep. What a disgusting time to be alive and have to feel that every day, especially as a young person. Yeah, think about all the onions out there with the crispy layer that never got peeled back. We love you, little onions. We love you, little repressed onions. (laughs) You make me cry ever, Tim. We're also introduced to Balmuto, who is one of the greaser villains from the last movie. He's the one that was racing Danny for the pink slips. And he's back and he is still gross. (laughs) Also, we're not fucking around with cars anymore. Yeah. Cars aren't the thing. In two years, it's gone from, oh, you got a nice hot rod. Oh, two, you got the new bike. Yeah, no, motorcycles are where it's at now. Apparently. Cagarelli. Balmuto. These cockroaches are going to invade our turf one time too many. We should take care of them tonight. <laughs> These T-Birds are not the T-Birds of yesteryear. I know. They're huge dorks. They are significantly less cool than the T-Birds of Greece, the original Greece. When they're standing in front of Balmuto, and it's impossible to have any bluster because they're wearing the mitty-bitty athletic shorts. Yeah. Johnny is literally trying to be intimidating. And they're all like, you know, you're going to come out and brawl tonight? And he goes, tonight we bowl. Hey, you're lucky. We're bowling tonight. I like that. Sorry, uh, can't beat the living mess out of you because uh, (laughs) me and my buddies, we got a bowling night. (laughs) We've come to our first overly sexual musical number. Can't go into a bowling alley without thinking about this stupid scene. I hate it. Why? It's a fun time. No, I hate it because I know what the song's about, but they're having so much fun. Ross is super into Lorna Luft in this scene. Well, Lorna is very attractive and she also is very talented. Um, she's not as talented as her sister or her mother, but she does do this role very well. She gives a very good performance. The pants. You like the pants. The pants. The, the, hot, the hot pants. That Paulette is wearing in the bowling scene. I just, I can't. You got something going with Paulette? What I say I'm giving her therapy for her disease. <laughs> what disease? Nymphoid mania. <laughs> boys are gross. Yeah. Stupid boys. You, you middle schooler. All these couple bowling teams talking about how they're going to score tonight. Listen, they're just wanting to get down to business. They decide they're going to play the game. And the bowling game turns into this huge musical number about scoring for women. Yes. We're going to score tonight. We're going to It's all about 
sex, but we've got so many different kinds of people singing. Yeah, what's going on? We've got nuns. We've got AARP card-carrying pro-bowlers. We've got children. There are too many different types of people in this bowling alley to be singing with a bunch of high school kids about how they're going to score. Johnny's the absolute worst, and I hate myself for being attracted to him in this moment. Tell me again about... The cartoonishness of Adrian's Med. So here's my theory. Adrian's Med has played Danny Zuko on stage before. I don't remember where, but I think at some point he did. And I feel like he's got very theater energy. Mm -hmm. It's very big, so you can project your emotions and everything to the back of the house, that kind of thing. It doesn't translate well to camera. It makes him look really cartoonish. And not in any way cool. And hey, maybe that was intentional. I'm just saying, it's noticeable. Hey, Paul, let's take a look over here. I'm your kingpin, honey, and I'm getting in gear. Hey, Johnny, Johnny, go for that track. And I just might be This cannot be a real alley, the way they're dancing it's in the not. lanes. No. It's not. <laughs> like, They'd be slipping and busting their asses. They'd be out so many extras if this was a real bowling alley. I love... You pointed You pointed this out when we watched it together. The fact that near the end, Goose is supposed to be carrying Paulette over his shoulder. It's Johnny. Johnny's running off of the bowling lane. And he, it's supposed to look like Johnny's got Paulette over his shoulder because of the pants. It's not. It's quite obviously a mannequin bottom of her <laughs> legs. <laughs> In her pants. <laughs> right as this song is wrapping up, we see outside the bowling alley, Michael is walking up, reading a bowling manual. Always be courteous when asking for a game. Hi. Want a game? Howdy, fellas. Let's bowl some balls. Bowling anyone? He's so precious, he though. He just wants to be normal in this new environment. On the way out of the bowling alley... Paulette is kissing Johnny to, like, establish dominance in Stephanie's presence? Listen, I don't think this is about Paulette establishing dominance over Stephanie. I think this is about Paulette taking what she wants by the balls. Yeah, I know, but it's just so weird the way it Stephanie all... Stephanie doesn't care. I know she doesn't care, but it's just the way it all happens in front. It's just weird. You don't like it because he doesn't respect Paulette. I know, and, like, that happens, and then he immediately goes for Stephanie. He doesn't care about Paulette. No, He it, just wants to make Stephanie jealous. It's so gross, and it just reminds me of that whole incestuous pool of friendship thing where you all date each other, and you and your exes are friends, and it's weird, and I don't miss high school at all. Yeah, guys. Stephanie is asserting her independence and, like, vows to kiss the next guy that walks through the door. Who just happens to be a very unexpected and bewildered Michael. He got what he wanted. He sure did. Right off the bat. <laughs> she walked up to him and kissed him right on the fucking mouth. <laughs> I'm going to kiss the first guy that walks through that door. <laughs> and it's Michael. Good for you. Good for you. The T-Birds and the Pink Ladies bounce. Sans Dolores, who, ha who hangs back with Michael. Listen, they all leave. Like, all the high schoolers leave. <laughs> and Dolores... Little sister Dolores. Michael helps her pick up all the shoes that they've left on the floor. She throws them on the counter and then throws a wad of cash on top of the shoes. Did they make Dolores, aged like 13, pay for everyone? Hopefully they all threw her cash. I really hope so. 
That's her skateboard money. Yeah. But Michael, Michael is being nice. And I think this little girl is the only person who will be nice to him. <laughs> they're both bonding over how cool they're not. Exactly. You know, when I'm in the 12th grade, I know I'm going to be the head of the pink ladies. My pink ladies will rule the school. They'll be the best. We'll have the best looking jackets. I almost tried to put letters on this jacket, you know. Didn't work. It fell right off. It was really embarrassing because it happened in front of my sister, Paulette. I didn't mean for it to happen, but it did. Dolores is so cute because she looks up to her big sister and her friends. Dolores, listen to me. There are better things in this world. There's math and science and angsty feminist poetry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the next day at school, Miss McGee is showing Mr. Stewart around the school because he's filling in for Mr. Spears after another breakdown. He meets Miss Mason in the hallway. Who's also yummy. Stop. I'm sorry. Grease too. It's hotter. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Mr. Stewart and Miss Mason are warm for each other's form. Ugh. They won't. They make it uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially for Miss McGee. <laughs> yeah. Miss McGee is just trying to get through the day without going back to her office, opening that top door, and grabbing her flask. Yeah. Like she is just. Trying not to deal with the changing times. Humming my alma mater in her head. She's going, "Mm, I love Nixon, I love Nixon, I love Nixon. (laughs) I love Nixon, I love Nixon, I love Nixon. I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor. Mr. Stewart goes into his class and introduces himself as a substitute. Everyone immediately walks out. The whole class just dips because that's what you could do. This bit is hilarious and I don't care what anyone says. Because Johnny and Goose are walking down the hall and Johnny's smoking a cigarette indoors. And he happens to walk by Miss Gee. Johnny pulls the cigarette into his mouth with his tongue. Uh, and, like, just has it closed around it so that he doesn't, I don't know, get detention? I don't. I don't. This movie. <laughs> Miss McGee's like... There has been a rumor, Mr. Nagarelli, that motorcycles have been driven across our school lawn. Hmm. Now, I know that couldn't have been you, Mr. Nagarelli. <laughs> I'm sure you have more respect for grass than that. Right? Mm-hmm. And when Miss McGee finally walks away, Goose claps him on the back and he swallows it. Uh... Oh. Michael has been conned into playing piano for the school talent show. Ross has a lot of issues with all of the unseen instruments Listen. in this movie. Noreen and Doreen, who we lovingly refer to them as because we don't know the characters' real names. The twins. Yeah, th- that's all they're called. But they remind me of Noreen and Doreen from the uh, 2007 version of Hairspray. John Travolta, Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. Right? Yeah. All comes full circle. <laughs> and they start singing this stupid song about this jagoff named Brad. <laughs> Maxwell Caulfield is just kind of moving his hands up and down <laughs> on the piano just out of shot. But this great piano track is playing. <laughs> also, there are there is synth and there are drums. His loafers were regions. His chinos were black. With a cute little buckle that fastened in back. Michael is the only musician <laughs> on the stage. Am I supposed to believe that Michael, on a classic piano... A stand-up piano. A stand-up piano is playing synth and drums? There's a drum set in front of the piano. There's no one sitting at the drums. 
I'm sorry. It's just, it's bad stage work. Pat, we're gonna have that talk. Oh my god. Sharon is organizing the Pink Ladies Act. It's called A Girl for All Seasons. Sharon is quite the visionary on this one. During the audition, while Stephanie is staring listlessly into space, Michael is trying to ask her out on a date, to which she is non-responsive. Hi. I wanted to ask if you're free after school today. Yeah, I'm free every day. (laughs) It's in the Constitution. (laughs) She's always, like, smacking on gum. There's not a single scene where she doesn't have gum. It's annoying. Mary Evers would detest it. She would. No gum while you're singing. Yeah. Everyone's trying to leave, and Michael won't let it lie, because he wants answers about what happened at the bowling alley. Yeah, she just walked up and kissed him, and now what? You kissed me for no reason, and now I'm here with all these feelings. So we go seamlessly into Cool Rider. Like, there's a light change. It's, like, pink now. And Stephanie is speaking her truth, baby. You really wanna know what I want in a guy. Well, I'm looking for a dream on a meat machine with hell in his eyes. I want a devil's skin tied leather. It's gonna be wild as the wind when fine. Michelle Pfeiffer is a good singer now. I mean, she's not a terrible singer in Greece too, but you can just tell... She's got an unseasoned voice. She's starting out. Yeah. You know, this is literally like her third or fourth film that she's ever been in. Now she's in her first musical film. Yeah, she's just got an untrained voice. I think over the years that develops more uh, so that she can be the wonderful Velma Von Tussle. I like this dynamic a lot more than the dynamic between Danny and Sandy. Because in Greece, they had a pre-existing relationship, like, prior to the events of the movie. They have a summer love, and then everybody ends up at the same school the next year, which, what? That was a part of this I almost... That was a part of that that I never understood. But... Michael's just this nobody. Yeah. You know. Danny treated Sandy like she was nothing when they got back, even though he'd spent the whole summer treating her like a queen. Yeah. You know, and then, but these two don't know each other. Yeah. And she's just being upfront about what she wants. Actually, I take that back. I really think she just wants a motorcycle. And she doesn't care if there's a man on it or not. But yeah, no, she has to sing him this huge ballad. He's just staring at her the whole time. It's awkward. Michael's not a part of the song. He's just sitting there. <laughs> and she's like, I don't like you <laughs> as much as you like me. You're a nerd and I want a boy who rides motorcycles. She turns her pink ladies jacket inside out and it's leather on the inside. That is so metal. It's on brand and I love it. <laughs> I hate myself for saying that. For saying it was metal? Yes. I love how at the end of the number she's dancing away and like all of the extras are pretending like she's not. Like I, it looks like the extras are at lunch and Pat's like, let's improvise. <laughs> go, Michelle. Go, baby. Go. <laughs> she's just dancing around like the chick in that interpretive dance meme. Yeah. This is where Louis approaches Michael and offers to pay him to do his homework for him. Louis Dumucci. Yeah. I got something uh, scholastic to discuss with you. What I'm saying here is that, you know, you're Mr. History, right? Like, I got this essay on the fall of Rome. <laughs> I didn't even know they were in trouble. What are you driving at, Dimitri? Papers for paper. Essays for cash. He 
He's so dumb. Which is the beginning of Michael's venture as an independent contractor to save money for a motorcycle so he can woo Stephanie. We just get this five-minute montage of Michael basically putting the T-Birds through high school. He's very deep throat. Like, they keep meeting him in dark alleys to hand to hand over essays for money. Because they got a rep to protect? I'm sorry. Goose gave him five dollars. Yeah. For a whole essay. Yeah. Bitch, I'd be charging fifty. That's so much. Do you have any idea how much fifty dollars was in nineteen sixty-one? Do you have any idea how little effort I put into my own work? Let alone how much I'd put into somebody else's. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need that cash. <laughs> Who needs to pay? I love how none of the teachers are paying enough attention to notice that the T-Birds all suddenly have amazing penmanship. And it's all the same penmanship. Also, I know I said this and you, you, you answered my question, but like, I didn't understand why all the T-Birds were so afraid that people would find out that they're not doing their homework. Yeah. Like, why do they care about their academic reputation? I just don't think they want to be seen consorting with Michael. And that's how you answered my question. Yeah. They don't want to be seen associating with the nerd. All right. We're here. I know we're here. We're at this number. Yeah. Let's try and get through this, okay? Uh-huh. We open up. Mr. Stewart is very rapidly tapping little chalk dots on the inside of a uterus he has drawn on the blackboard. We're at sex education class. I just can't with the number that's about to unfold in front of us. So Mr. Stewart is asking mostly the T-Birds, the question is, when is the best time of month for the woman to conceive? Mr. DeMucci. What? Conceive. What is the best time? At night. <laughs> you will, I, I can see that we're not getting very far. I got the same problem. <laughs> I like when he's asking Johnny the answer to the question. He pops up from behind his binder and he's got a Playboy. Yeah. Like, guys oh. are so gross. Like, in in class, you can't look at your porn outside of school. <laughs> like, my God. So Mr. Stewart's going to break into song and dance. We call this quest for satisfaction a what class? A photoperiodic reaction. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. Hey, I'm lost. Where are we? Chapter two. Page five. Somehow this song remains a glowing example of just how broken our sexual education system is. I know. All they want to do is bang. They're, they're so nonchalant about it. Like, why are you trying to educate us about it? Like, we're just trying to have fun. But like you were saying with Lewis, it's like he didn't know anything about ovulation. Yeah. Johnny, during the song, pronounces it mentalstration, not menstruation. Okay. Also, I love that Stephanie, the whole time, is just standing on a chair in the back looking hot. Yeah, just being hot. And Michael is... Li- not, neither one of them are singing. Michael is just daydreamy looking at her the whole time. With his teal sweater and his Oliver People glasses. And her and her... White jacket. Her white jacket. We have to stop. Biconic. Stop. It's biconic. Did we just invent a thing? I think we just invented a thing. Awesome. One time I was watching this on YouTube, and I like scrolled down to the comments, and the top comment was a girl who was like waving her hand and being like, hey, hey, so fun fact, my parents are both in this scene. 
It's how they met. Yes, that is right. The extra that is got the blonde hair. I got your pistol right here. I got your pistol right here. Yeah. The one who says that, and he's in the blue sweater, and the girl, the blonde chick... In the pink skirt. In the pink skirt. Yeah, those two extras got married and had a kid, and that kid, to make them crazy all the time, will sing this song. I would love that. Like, wouldn't you? Where does Does the the pollen pollen go? (laughs) I can't believe they made Eve Arden make a pregnancy joke. May I speak to you, Miss McGee? Yes, dear, what about? I'm a little worried. I've missed my last two periods. That's all right, dear. You can make them up after school. Where does the pollen go? We see Michael in a junkyard buying a bike with the money he's made plagiarizing. (laughs) Who says plagiarism doesn't get you places? Correction. He hands the guy some money and the guy waves his arms at the whole yard and is just like, go nuts. Yeah. He has to build the fucking bike. Yeah. This guy can't catch a break. Yeah. (laughs) He's in America. He doesn't know what love is. He has to build this fucking bike to know what love is. He has to fit into this strict social code. He's he's teaching himself how to build a motorcycle just so he can talk to Stephanie. But it's just so hot. Good to see you, French. What were you trying to do? I'm trying to ride that motorcycle without bloody well killing myself. Wait a sec. Michael! Michael! This isn't for... Stephanie! We're back at talent show practice. I hear the piano! It's in the shot! I don't see Michael at it! He's the one who's supposed to be doing this. (laughs) Miss McGee and Miss Mason are like talking about who's their like pick. It's a silent power struggle for control of the talent show. Yeah. Miss Mason really likes Noreen and Doreen. These are my girls. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. They hate her. (laughs) (laughs) But Miss McGee, the T-Birds are her boys. Yeah. They get up there to audition and she's like, these are my boys. The vandals that you're having to discipline every day. I have a fan theory. Speaking of weird teacher-student relationships, I have a fan theory that Miss McGee has had, let's say, romantic contact with at least one of the T-Birds. So Miss McGee isn't super lesbo with Blanche. She could be bisexual. I don't think so. No? (laughs) I think Miss McGee's husband died a long time ago, and now she's having a quiet life with Blanche. I love the scene in the locker room where the T-Birds are scheming to, like, sabotage the prep tones so that they can win the talent show because there's, like, free albums on the line. I want all the Roy Orbisons. Yeah, Goose really wants them Roy Orbisons. He wants them albumins. If we are going to win that grand prize, we have got to get it together like that, but with class. Remember, I want the Roy Orbisons. You'll get them. Please turn on your magic beam. Yeah, these preppy boys, like, they're like a little barbershop quartet. And they're going to so steal the show if they don't do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, you you can't, you can only see the tops of the T-Birds' heads, like, except for Davey, who's too short. And it's just puffs of smoke. I know. Coming up. <laughs> All right. That night at the bowling alley. Who shows up? 
Balmudo! It's Spoilface Balmudo! Dolores is rolling up on her skateboard, and she passes Balmudo on the way in, and he's all by himself in front of the bowling alley. My turn. Your turn after we tilt that crater-faced Balmudo. Come on! They run outside because they think that four-on-one is a fair fight. Yeah. But what's happened? Balmudo's buddies have showed up in the interim. In their defense, 12-on-4 is not a fair fight either. It's not pretty. That's three greasers to a T-bird. Musical math. Hey, you. <laughs> Get out. Get out of the closet. I love how Balmuto is some punk, but he's also like 40. Dude, get a job. <laughs> Stop fucking with these high school kids. <laughs> Just when you think the T-Birds are goners, Michael rolls up on the hog that love built. <laughs> Everyone is transfixed. We all love a man of mystery, except for Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> Michael is, like, riding all over the parking lot, doing all these bike tricks he's taught himself in the park. There's such BS. He, like, rolls up on the trunk of a car at one We point. know there's a plasterboard back there. <laughs> a ramp. We know there's a ramp. We know you didn't just roll up on that. I love how throughout this whole song, like, all the girls are like, who's that guy? And... Johnny is just resentful of the lack of attention. This is... I don't like this song. Why? I just... It just... It's not... It's not eventful enough for me. And I know you're like, what are you saying? There's a literal motorcycle battle in this song. But, like, I would almost rather it be not a musical number and just, like, a musical interlude where they're all duking it out on their bikes. Like... Like, like the race in the first movie. Yeah. That's like, not a song. Yeah, it's not. I would rather it be more exciting than that. But no, all these people are literally just on their cars like, Who, who's that guy? <laughs> Everyone's dispersing and the pink ladies are counseling Stephanie on what to do with the fact that she's flooding her basement over, <laughs> over this mystery biker. <laughs> I wrote down something you said when we were watching it. Sharon, what's with the perm? I just wanted to bark. She looks like a poodle. She does. Like, what's with her hair? Oh, uh, you know, Steph, there's been talk. We haven't been talking. But there has been talk, Steph, questioning your loyalty to the birds. Well, it doesn't mean that you gotta go steady with Johnny. In fact, I think it's better for the both of you that it's over. Yeah, but the code does say that we're cheaper chicks. At least till grand. Stephanie's trying to light a smoke, and Michael appears with a zippo in his hand. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I would like a ride. But he Stephanie hesitates and he just drives off. That a boy! Leave him wanting more! Some other time then. Oh. Okay, here's the thing. We're getting ready to talk about a scene, small scene, but 
I want to point out at this time, there are some smart jokes in this movie. Yeah. But the the bad jokes... Outweigh. Oh, yeah. They outweigh the Far good. outweigh the good, smart Man, jokes. It's the bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I made the point. Frenchie is congratulating Michael on his new alter ego. She's like, are you going to tell her? And he's like, well, I oughta, because it's really dishonest. <laughs> and Stephanie just and the pink ladies just happen to walk in. And Michael's going to tell her that he's the guy from the bowling alley. Too soon. Yeah, too soon, buddy. <laughs> and he goes, Steph. What? Do you... What? Have you... Ever read uh, a Superman comic? Not in the last few hours. You chicken! just be nice to him? (laughs) Like, damn! But I think it's funny that instead of telling her the truth about that, he asked her about a superhero that has an alter ego. Like Michael. Yeah, yes, thank you. (laughs) I think it's a smart joke. It is a smart joke. But again, there's so much stupid shit in this movie that you can't pay attention to that stuff. Exactly. You have to really be watching it. And no one really be watching Grease 2. Except us. Yeah. (laughs) And you're hating me for it. We're those people. No, you're those people. You (laughs) drug me into this. Just saying. Okay. Let's glaze over this quickly. All right. So Michael, as he's staying with Mr. and Mrs. Olsen, that's Sandy's parents from the first movie, they have built a nuclear fallout shelter. Does Michael get to live in the guest room? No. (laughs) Michael elects to live in the nuclear fallout shelter behind (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Olsen's house. That's where he sleeps, does essays for T-Birds, and longs for Stephanie. Yeah. (laughs) As a matter of fact, Lewis, Demooch, Lewis comes there to get an essay from him, and he's like, "Cool digs, I could totally bed bitches in here." And, <laughs> oh my god! And so one night, when Michael's out doing cool writer things, <laughs> Lewis entices Sharon into this literal bunker, steals the nuclear fallout drill alarm from the from the high school, has Goose and Davy sit outside of the bunker. And crank it. So that they think that nuclear war is happening. So that he can coax Sharon into thinking nuclear war is happening. And sings this whole musical number about how, let's do it for our country. (laughs) Red, white, and the blue. See, Lewis thinks that, Lewis is talking about getting lucky. And Sharon thinks he's talking about going Going to to war. war. He really... And being brave. The both of them. Yeah. She thinks they're going to go together uh-huh. and fight for justice and peace in the world. <laughs> no, honey. He's trying to get he's in your pants. He's trying to stick his pee-pee in your pee-pee. It started. America is calling. Let's care enough to give our very best. What started? What's happening, Lewis? The Russians are attacking. Get down! <gasps> Someone call SVU. Mm. This is coercion. He's tricking her into thinking the world is coming to an end. But, like, she doesn't fall for it. No. Like, the entire... She is so sold that he actually thinks they're going to go fight for their country, which leads to her throwing open the door and Goose and Davy falling through it. Yeah, she figures it out. Louis Moochie! Sharon, you dumped that boy. He's no good. Really? Like, come on, Mooch. I do like the thematic 
things going on with the musical numbers, like Score Tonight, even though it's about sex, has that good old, you know, fun community vibe to it. Reproduction has that, you know, that raunchy, you know, thing about it. Do it for our country, which is that very patriotic vibe you get during the Camelot years. See, that's what I hate. Because this song is gross, Lewis is gross, what he's doing is gross. But the song sounds good. And it raises goosebumps on my arms. Bullets are exploding, they'll soon be at the door. Give something to America you never gave before. Yeah, let's do it for our country. The red, white, and the blue. But are you sure my mother would approve? Your mother don't even have to know about it, Sharon. Cut to Stephanie Zanoni at her job at the gas station. Grease monkey Stephanie can have me. She really can. God. It's a favorite look for me. (laughs) And so all of these old ass motherfuckers are like, wash my windshield, get me maps, suck my dick. (laughs) And she's like running around doing everything. And then that guy ross is excited because michael rolls up on his bike and he's wearing a leather jacket with no shirt underneath how about that ride hey how about my windshield michael coaxes her away from her responsibilities to ride off with him for a night of frivolity Also, I love during the montage of them riding around. I'm wondering if this is stunted or real, because it looks like it's real, the way it's shot. The way she just kind of swings around his whole body. Yeah, and like... To face him backwards. Yeah. She's not wearing a helmet. Does she really do that? Like, I I think that she... I think it's real. I think the driver is a stunt driver. Michelle Pfeiffer doing her own stunts. Would you look at that? You're right. (laughs) It It makes me nervous. It could also be on a soundstage. That's true. And so, like, they come back to the gas station because, like, why not? She just got fired from here. Drop her <laughs> off back here. Yeah, there's no way she still Don't has take a job. her home. Take her back to the gas station. It's time to drop her off. And Stephanie doesn't want to get off the bike. Oh, yeah. I love that moment because I remember being young and smitten. It was a nice feeling. And then, like, you don't want the night to be over you know yeah it's it's, it's real cute mm-hmm. and who rolls up to the gas station t-birds and the pink ladies yeah michael's about to tell her who he is because again she's never seen him without his goggles or his helmet uh-huh. so she doesn't know who he is yeah S- stop getting with stop getting on bikes with strange men stephanie and yeah the t-birds roll up to make trouble because stephanie is hanging out with a boy who is not a t-bird it's against the code. That's not against. That's not. That's not what the code. I hate Johnny in this moment. He calls Stephanie his girl in front of Paulette. Look, Sinoni, no chick of mine messes with no other creep except this, except me. No chick of yours. Someone's jealous. Like, what the fuck is his problem? And then Stephanie is just like, "Listen, dude, I don't give a fuck. There's nothing between us anymore. Leave me alone." Yeah. Runs into gas station. Paulette runs after her into gas station. Two other pink ladies, one and two, run into gas station. And then the boys are like, where's my girl? Yeah, all the girls are mad at them. Oh, man, me stupid girls. <laughs> Nobody's getting anything. Why isn't anybody paying attention to me? <laughs> oh, my dick feels small. <laughs> oh, my God. 
How can it be big and strong without a girl next to it? We're gonna go prowling. <laughs> Guys, this song is the biggest phallus in your face. Like We're gonna glaze over it as quickly as possible. So basically, Johnny and the T-Birds sing this whole song called Prowlin'. Well, come on and tell us, Johnny, what's the secret of success? You gotta take a tip from the king of hip, cause you know that he's the Prowlin. What? This song is gross. It's a song about being a predatory teenage boy in the 60s. It is solid objectification and predation for three minutes. Let's predate all the girls in our class. <laughs> Here's the worst lyrics for me. There's a female butcher at the luncheon meat display. She's got the best tongue in town. She delivers both night and day. Somebody wrote that. Somebody got paid money to write that <laughs> and to produce it and to stage it. Yes. The conceit at the end of the song, however, ends up being that this is the song they're going to sing for the talent show. So talented. Yeah. What the fuck ever. Good I, for fucking you. I don't care. <laughs> Stephanie is struggling in English class. So Michael uses that as his in. Yep. He's <laughs> finally got something to He's offer. Like, I'm smart. You're dumb. Let me tutor you. <laughs> She's not dumb, though. She's You're just right. a little distracted. She's distracted with boy trauma. I yeah. mean, wouldn't you be... Yeah, at that if age. If some mysterious man has been picking you up every night and driving you around on his motorcycle, would you focus on your Hamlet essay? No. No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> They're in a diner. She's telling him about her boy problems, and Michael's trying to not lose it in front of her. Yeah. Because she's talking about him right in front of him. Yeah. To his face. So what's the problem, then? Well, the problem is that maybe he's just not everything I imagined. What if behind those goggles he's just like some ordinary guy? What if he is? Would that be so bad, Stephanie? Apparently not. Like, I just love how the essay is about Hamlet, a titular character fraught with indecision. Sort of like Michael is about telling Stephanie about his identity. Again, that's another one of those smart jokes that you can't pay attention to because she's talking with her mouth full and still hot for some reason. You're a really smart guy, you know that? You must think I am some kind of dummy, huh? Actually, I think you're kind of terrific. Get out of here. You're the terrific one. I mean, you know all this deep junk and everything. Johnny and Goose are here to harass Stephanie some more. Yeah, can we leave the woman alone? Like, she's just trying to be okay with what's happening. Johnny is here to break up with her, damn it, not the other way around. He's got a rep to protect. Yeah, well, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm officially declaring us as an item officially over. You're, you're declaring. That's correct. Okay, fine, I get it. It's over. Can I go now? He's just like, <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. Just like that? <laughs> I hate Johnny! What, what did you just do? You infuriating human. I hate Johnny! Anyway. So now we come to the Mama, I'm a big girl now of Grease 2. Just one of those songs that just kind of stops the show dead. <laughs> it's like, we were really going with this vibe. I don't 
don't know if, you know, we say all the songs are about sex. Charades is really not about this sex. This might be the one song that's kind of just like genuine and well thought out. And very Michael Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally just Michael walking around. It's Michael walking around ex- in an existential crisis because this girl's never going to love him back. He's, he's just like, brooding. I have, to, I have to pretend to be this other person to get you to even remotely entertain my presence. And it's kind of wearing on my soul. He's just brooding and being gorgeous for three minutes. Charades and pretty lies. He's drawing hearts in his notebook. I can't. I know. You said this was like the hopelessly devoted to you. Yeah, this is this is this is the hopelessly devoted to you segment of Grease 2. Like it really is. You know, we say that this is the exact same movie, but instead of drawing a lot of parallels, I think we're drawing a lot of perpendiculars. I hate myself. <laughs> anyway, cuz like in Hopelessly Devoted to You, Sandy is singing about like, I don't care that you're a dick. I love you so much. Ugh. Michael's like, I love you so much, and it's given me a mental breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is bad. I am so afraid to be me. Aw, haven't we all been there? Yeah, I'm so afraid to be me in front of you. It's wearing on my mental health. Yeah. Like, this is all a charade. Um, <laughs> Th- Thank you. You got it. <laughs> they've made arrangements to meet up in front of the school before the talent show. Stephanie and Michael as the cool writer. Yeah. He said he'd meet her up front. How anyone can get so hot and bothered over someone they don't even know is totally beyond me. Sharon? What? She's got a crush. And Michael rolls up and he's like, rev, rev, toot, toot, beep, beep. (laughs) Let's get this meat. And (laughs) who shows up? The T-Birds. The T-Birds show up and for some reason, Johnny can't let it go. Sonny! It's that guy! This time we get him, Zanoni! Johnny, no! Johnny! So Johnny and three other high school boys. <laughs> Including Davey in a sidecar. In a sidecar! He doesn't even get his own motorcycle. <laughs> I don't think he's old enough for that yet. <laughs> they decide. Because they don't know they don't know that Michael is this guy. Yeah. No one knows Michael is this guy. They don't know that this that Michael is this cool rider guy so johnny and three other high school boys decide they're gonna kill this man yeah they're gonna ride him down they're gonna fuck him up a motorcycle chase ensues johnny no it's very melodramatic and so they chase after michael on bikes stephanie hops in the pink lady's car they give chase oh my god i'm gonna die and i'm wearing my mother's underwear in some ways, Sharon is my favorite. Sharon is so annoying. <laughs> I don't quite understand what the fuck happens here. No, I don't either. They come to a quarry. The road literally ends, as most roads do in quarries. <laughs> Michael, like like the fawns over the shark, jumps the quarry 
We don't know where he goes after that. The T-Birds roll up and they're like, and I love how Davy's just like, he didn't die, did he? <laughs> <laughs> we were just messing with him, right? Davy's so young. I know. 15. He's, yeah, he's like 15. We've killed a man. Yeah. Davy will soon be driven to drink and have trouble with his interpersonal relationships. So the T-Birds are just like, mm, whatever, fine. Stephanie is devastated. Yeah, and Sherry's just like, yeah, Steph, there's nothing even down there. But where is Michael? So after we've witnessed the death of her <laughs> mystery boyfriend, we're going to go perform a talent show. No one calls the police. No, yeah. <laughs> but the, I know what you did last summer. They don't know his name. <laughs> yeah. They, no one knows who he is. Michael, you put yourself in a bind here, buddy. <laughs> No one's going to care if Michael Carrington never shows back up again. <laughs> and no one knew who you were as Cool Rider. <laughs> so no one's looking for him, I guess. You basically got cocoed. Like... Yep. Is that a thing now? <laughs> no. Let's <laughs> not make that a thing. Okay. So we're, 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 we're backstage at the talent show. Everyone is kind of blatantly put this off their minds yeah. nobody's thinking about the fact that they killed a man they're just nervous for the show yeah well you know those those opening night jitters yeah yeah we all get those mm-hmm. mm. especially when we've killed a man <laughs> So Sharon comes out with the springs. <laughs> She's a four-leaf clover. You got an Easter bunny, and you have a maypole. I don't understand. The nerdy, the nerdy extra is a maypole. I am that nerdy extra. You are that nerdy extra. She has my energy throughout the entire show. Paulette comes out with the summers. She is the engagement rings. She's flanked by a baseball game. She's and... she's flanked by a baseball mitt and a stack of fireworks. Yes. You have Rhonda come out with the falls. She is a tree, she has a pumpkin head skeleton, and a November a Thanksgiving cornucopia flanking her. And then Stephanie comes out. With the winter. With the winters. Winter has the derpiest costumes, because one of them is dressed as a quarter, and so, like, Washington's face is like her torso, mm -hmm. which is undulating as she comes out. And Stephanie is a Christmas tree, and the other chick is a chick. In a glass of eggnog. Yeah. What? <laughs> like... With the foam legs dangling out over the side. I understand it's supposed to look like high schoolers made it, but come on. Yeah. No, the production value is high. So Stephanie comes out to do the winter part. It's the last part of the song. It's the big end. They've been working on this for months. I know. Yeah. All it's year all coming long. to a hilt. Yeah, it's nice to see a show come together. And Stephanie comes out. It's the last part. It's the winter part of Girl for All Seasons. And she just kind of stops singing. She Something takes her over. <laughs> she glazes over. She sinks to the stage floor. And Sharon's like, get the fuck up. You're supposed to be doing a song. <laughs> and then Stephanie just starts having all of these voices in her head. Johnny! It's that guy! It's time we get him, Zanoni! Johnny! Where is he? He ain't down there. What do you mean he ain't down there? Where'd he go? Oh, I don't understand. This, like, just happened. 
like an hour ago. Her love was just slain by her ex. And she just has a complete psychotic break. She does. And she starts singing this song. She starts singing a whole ass other song. Just to herself. In front of everyone else. Oh, I just can't believe you left me here alone. How in this world can I make it on my own? It's very 80s with all the synth. It and, is very 80s. And the drums. Yeah, but there's no one playing them. <laughs> She's imagining that heaven is a junkyard and Ghost Michael is waiting for her on top of a scrap heap. He make a nice heap. He make a nice heap. <laughs> and he's belting a ballad for her. Ghost Michael is dusty and on top of a motorbike and he's like... Ridiculous and stupid. Why am I such a sucker for it? Turn back. Uh oh, turn back. Uh oh, turn back. During this song, I was like, lean forward on my hands. By contrast, you use this song as an opportunity to use the bathroom. <laughs> you couldn't care less. I can't. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I'm sad they made Michelle Pfeiffer do it. <laughs> She's so resilient, she though. She is, though. You know how many bad movies she's been in? It all ends with Stephanie coming back to reality and belting the last few bars by herself. Which results in her and Johnny getting made winners of the talent show. Someone gave her a spotlight while she was having a psychotic break. Everybody was just like, I guess this is the show. And so... I would be so mad if I were Sharon. Yeah, Sharon's gotta be just like, um, what the fuck? We've only been working on that for months. Carol! Get your shit together, Carol! <laughs> Stephanie and Johnny are declared the winners and named king and queen of the luau? What? The Lani Kelani Luau. <laughs> and, you know, everybody's clapping, but she, Stephanie's such a sad little tree. She's a sad little tree. She's still heartbroken. All right. Rockalua Luau. is this culturally appropriated bastardized version of we go together yeah because that's what it is not only did they rip that song off they took the hawaiians culture they did there's white people in war masks and headdresses and i'm just like mm, stop that and just that whole song is just a fever dream of awful any direct references, really, to the parent material are so poorly executed. But the original jokes are funny. Yeah. It's so... The bad stuff is so distracting. There's this giant pool in the middle of the luau. 
with a fire burning in the middle of it. What the fuck? Good effects, Pat. <laughs> we'll talk good things about that one. And I just love the shot where everyone is gyrating yeah. around the pool. <laughs> and the voiceover of Miss McGee. And the sunset on the Lolly K1 Luau, a reminder to our seniors. In the words of our very own President Kennedy, think not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. These literal children are grinding the ground. Yes. And I'm just like, what the fuck? They're like, counterculture. <laughs> Suddenly, Belmudo, inmate 35291, <laughs> and his gang finally decide to trash this party for no reason at all. They just feel like getting arrested for disturbing the peace, I guess. I guess they're just going to ruin this party. They're literally driving through displays with these bikes. They're probably injuring people. Yeah. School children. Yeah. This 40-year-old and his gang of bikers. <laughs> Leave these kids alone, damn it. <laughs> Go away, boil-faced Balmudo. And then Michael is, like, literally rising from the grave. He, what like, is he standing on? That's what I want to know. He's standing on, like, a booth, I think, the top of a booth. Mm -hmm. And he, like, stands up into the shot. And he's just wearing a leather vest, no shirt, and his goggles. He looks awesome. Hey, Balmudo! Hey, man, that's the guy who decked me! It's him! It's him! It's him! The noise when he jumps off the top of the stand. What is that? That's I think, I think it's a guitar riff. Me. I can't, yeah. I can't do it. And so he hops onto a bike. Yeah. I hate this. He he drives out of the luau. Uh -huh. All of Balmuto and his cockroaches go after him. Michael drives immediately back in to the luau and then and jumps the pool again, like Fonz jumping the shark. Only one roach comes back after him and drives into the pool. Yeah. The whole time this is all going on, Johnny and Stephanie are suspended in the middle of the water on a raft. And Johnny, like the helpless bastard he is... <laughs> It's like, will you help me, Rose? Stephanie, God! <laughs> and she's just like hitting him with the oar. Good! She's like, bastard, motherfucker, you know? <laughs> so the one roach falls in the pool. Michael makes it. They get out of the pool. Where did all the other roaches go? Yeah. Where did Balmudo go? Uh, yeah. They never come back into the luau. No! It's never resolved. Balmudo's still out there hurting people. <laughs> Michael, what did you do? <laughs> he killed them all. <laughs> they didn't come back. No. They all died. No one is even going to try to explain how Michael survived this jump. No. I'm pissed off about it's it. It's never happening. No. What happened to him for 24 hours? Where's he been? Has he been trying to get out of the quarry? Like... It's, yeah, it's only, <laughs> it's only been like four hours. Maybe he's just been clawing himself out of there. He didn't hurt his bike? I don't know. I don't... It doesn't make a lick of sense. Maybe just his pride. Maybe he didn't hurt his bike. <laughs> just his pride. Just his pride. And, and Stephanie... Stephanie realizes that it's Michael. She's just like, I can't believe it. <laughs> you. Yeah. Okay, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah, well, you got one more jump, Mr. Uh... Cool Rider, Shakespeare, uh, Harrington. Wait a second! Haven't we had enough of this? 
She's Look. got a point, Johnny. Hey, Davey's got a point, Johnny. Yeah, and you'll lose got a point about Davey's point. Shut up, all of you! I got a point to make, too! And then, yeah, Johnny just has this weird change of heart because he's like, well, fuck, the nerd was the cool one all along. Yeah, he's a good dude. So we're going to make you an honorary tea party. Yeah, which I, I hate that because the the real answer should have been Stephanie saying, hey, I don't need to date a T-bird because that's shitty and stupid. And I don't need to be a pink lady either because yeah. I'm a grown-ass person now. <laughs> but no, we're going to make Michael an honorary T-bird so that they can be together, which fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. Michael gets to be an honorary T-bird for five seconds because don't they graduate like right after that? Yeah, exactly. Like what's even the point? It's, just, it's just, I guess it's just Johnny's symbolic way of going, hey, you're not so bad after all. I mean, I guess. David, not too bad. Not bad at all. Not too bad at all. <laughs> it's his President Whitmore moment. Like, this ending falls apart for me so fast because that's a letdown. And then we get this cheesy, stupid yearbook spread ending with, with a weird graduation song ballad underneath that doesn't match the energy of the rest of the film. Choreography is weird because everyone's spinning and... Pat was tired. She went, fuck it. We are closing production today. Everyone just spin in circles and get together for the picture. This is not the kind of song you use at the end of a movie musical. really not. At least the ending to Grease was like joyful and peppy and happy. Like, for fuck's sake, they drove off in a flying car. Like, this whole ending song, which is called... We'll be together yeah. instead of we go together. Yeah. Okay. The whole thing just peters out. We'll be together. And you get all the way to the end. And yeah, we get the same old yearbook ending credits that you get at the end of Greece with the first song playing. Mm-hmm. So guys, that's Greece too. <laughs> so like as far as this carry. Listen, Carrie. I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend this movie means anything. I just really love it, even though it's stupid. Guys, and... this has been a waste of your time. Oh, stop! <laughs> I just like it, okay? This movie means nothing to millennials. Can't we all just bond over something? Guys, as disparaging as I have been about this movie this whole time, for all of its shortcomings, and for all of its just terrible utilization of the art form it's just got really good staging it's visually pleasing like to watch the film is a treat to listen to it not so much like the songs are you know they're okay by themselves like if this was just like an album and not like if it was just an album like if there was no visual representation to go with the medium I'd probably listen to it. But as a film, it's bad. And this 
neuter of a narrative. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you spent time on this. You spent money on this. You ruined careers for this. <laughs> what has this been for? What have we been working toward? Oh my god. Michelle, thank you for being impervious. I just can't shake this movie from my life. Can, I know. Once you've seen it, it's there. It ain't never leaving. It speaks to that part of my brain that's still a young person. A stupid teenager. It speaks to the dirty, stupid teenager that's in your head. <laughs> it really does. Uh, because, like, the thing that you hate most about it is despite its... It has no tact, but it's still clever. Yeah. <laughs> and you hate that! You're and the, just like... the songs are dumb, but they're catchy! It's infuriating! So I guess what this means to our millennial listeners is that... You've got that guilty pleasure movie. Yeah. And you know you do. Exactly. I guess that's the point we're trying to get to here. I agree. Can we be done? Yes, we can be done. Oh my god, guys. <laughs> well, the good news is is that you get to pick the next movie. That's right. That's right, I do. Do you have something in mind? Well, we've done all we've done one animated film. We've done Shrek and You'd uh, like to do another? Yeah, I'd like to do another one. I'd also like to do we've done two from the eighties, two from the nineties, and only one from the millennium. So I want to do one from the millennium. Okay. I want to do another millennium animated one. Uh-huh. So we were looking at the list, and I was just thinking about a kooky one. And I'm sorry, but I love the 2005 animated classic, Chicken Little. Oh my god! Yes, yes, we're gonna do it. Be prepared to hurt, and not emotionally like I do. Oh my god, I cannot wait. Don Knotts' last film, yo. Oh. It'll be the first thing I say when we come back. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where the last film Don Knotts ever made was this piece of weirdness. Yeah, it was pretty weird. It's a pretty fried film. You're going to have fun watching that one. I sure am. I haven't seen it since we were kids. You know, guys, I think at the end of each episode when we announce what the next one's going to be, you should just watch the movie. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to, but... Yeah, we encourage it. We encourage experience it. Experience it with us, guys. That's what we're all here for, to experience movies together. If you guys want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can find me at Carrie Barra, C-A-R-I-E-B-E-A-R-A. Ross, where can they find you? You can find me at Ross right now, all lowercase. That's me on, like, everything, by the way. Yeah. So, like... You can follow the show on its new Twitter account. At Kick and Stream. On the Twitter. Don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes, guys. That helps other people find us. And thank you to everybody who's been listening so far. Yeah, thanks, guys. The downloads, I mean... It may not be multitudes, but, like, it means something, you it, know? It does. Like, this is definitely a start, and we we really, we really want to bring our uh, thoughts and ideas to the world. <laughs> and, uh, like, yeah, like Karian said, we're on iTunes, we're on the Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Podbean as well. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We are over and out.